Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back to another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simeon, and on this edition of the show, we're going to be looking back at Arsenal's 3-1 victory over West Ham United in the Premier League. The Gunners picking up on Boxing Day where they left off prior to the World Cup break. It was a little bit nervy at times. I was a little bit concerned at certain points, as you would be when you go behind at home. Uh, but in the end, Arsenal get the job done and quite emphatically, to be fair. So we'll be talking about the performance. We'll be talking about all the things surrounding the game. Uh, lots and lots to get into, as always. And a big hello to everybody who is joining us live right now. I realise that this is not our usual uh, sort of streaming time. When I got home from the game yesterday, it wasn't until about 11.30pm. It was really, really late and I was really, really tired. And I just figured that if I sat down and did the podcast at that point, I probably wouldn't do a great job of it. Um, you know, sometimes you just sometimes you just don't feel like you're going to be able to get your points across as clearly as and as concisely as you want. And so I decided to do it this morning uh, nice and early so that it would have the whole day to live and breathe so that those of you uh, working, et cetera, et cetera, would be able to access it. Um, what I didn't really think through is that nine o'clock after you've had a, a late night is, is probably too early. Uh, it's definitely too cold in the man cave because I haven't put the heating on in advance. Uh, but here we are. So if you see me reaching for my cup of tea during the show just to keep warm, it is necessary, I promise you. Uh, I want to say a few hellos to some of you in the live chat box as well. Hope you're all good. I uh, hope you had a great Christmas. Uh, obviously, Christmas has been and gone now. It's passed us by. Um, obviously, a lot of build up to it, as always. And then you kind of sit down, you have your Christmas dinner. Um, you know, you, you spend time with your loved ones. And then before you know it, it's gone. And, and football takes precedent instead, which is much better for me. Anyway, um, let me say. A few hellos then. Uh, where are we? Uh, let's say hello to Matt, uh, to Sko, to Des. Uh, who else do we have in the chat? We've got Wandering Minstrel. We've got David. We've got uh, Kin. We've got uh, John. We've got uh, Graham, who's with us as well. Raphael is with us too. Alex uh, says he just watched the second half and loved it. Uh, Delisu is with us. Johan, JW. Uh, we've got Koza Aqua, uh, Ron Stone, Matt G, uh, lots and lots of you with us. Jonathan as well. Trevor, brilliant. Great to see so many of you with us. Ron too. Um, if look, if I sit here going through every single name, we'll do nothing else. So um, yeah, anyway, uh, good to see so many of you live with us bright and early on this Tuesday morning. Yes, it is Tuesday. You do tend to lose track of the days, don't you, between Christmas and New Year's. I do anyway. Um but yeah, just a great night all round, you know, to just kind of summarise it before we sort of go in in a little bit more detail. 
Eddie Nketiah plays well, gets on the score sheet after all the talk around whether or not he can replace Gabby Jesus in the interim. Arsene Wenger returns to Emirates Stadium, the stadium he essentially built for the first time since his departure and watches Arsenal win. The atmosphere was electric from start to finish and, and even pre-game, it was, it was brilliant. Uh, some of you may have seen the video that I posted of the Ashburton Army, the clock end uh, lads sort of marching their way down Hornsey Road towards the stadium and real, you know, really making an impact and, you know, not causing any trouble, which is obviously important as well. Um, but, you know, making an atmosphere and then that continues inside the ground, which is excellent. Really, really good turnout, you know, over recent seasons, you know, you've seen night games and, and games when there's been tube strikes or train strikes you know, really suffer in terms of the attendances. But because of how well Arsenal are doing, because of how much belief people seem to have in this team right now, people went that extra mile to make sure that despite those travel issues, they were there and in attendance. And look, to give you an idea of what the mood around Arsenal Football Club is right now, I must have had 10 messages over the last 48 hours from sort of friends, acquaintances, uh, relatives in Cyprus who obviously follow Arsenal closely. There's a big Arsenal following over there who are asking me, can I get them tickets for this game? And can I get them tickets for that game? It's so difficult at the moment, which shows you how much people want to go and watch the Arsenal at the moment. You know, if you rewind this back to two, three years ago, getting a home ticket for someone was easy. It really, really was. And now it's such a difficult task because of, as I say, the positivity around the club and how much people want to be there right now. People are coming from far. Uh, people are desperately uh, trying to uh, to get along there so that they can, of course, uh, support the team. But yeah, look, really good night. Um, really good night at the office. And, um, and we'll get into it now in a little bit more detail. So we'll start off, as we always tend to do, with the starting lineup. What did Mikel Arteta go with? We knew that Aaron Ramsdale will come back into goal. It's clear that he is Arsenal's number one goalkeeper. The back four was where I had some questions going into this game. I think the midfield picked itself. Um, I think the front line picked itself too. But the defence was where I was a little bit unsure as to how it was going to look and how things were going to go. Now, Alexander Zinchenko had not featured in any of the friendlies and clearly wasn't ready uh, to start the game. But would he be fit enough for the bench? That was a big question. Would William Saliba, who recently returned from World Cup duty with France, go straight back into the side? Or would he be given a bit of breathing space in terms of some time to recover and get himself right? Uh, ben White obviously came back from England duty early and has featured in the friendly. So I knew that he would, uh, of course, uh, be in the side. But yeah, the big question for me was, would Ben White have to move into centre-back to replace William Saliba? And then would that mean that Mikel Arteta would turn to Cedric Suarez? Now, I think there's a reluctance on Mikel Arteta's part to put somebody like Cedric in. Not because he's this terrible player that everybody makes him out to be. Not because he's rubbish. Not because he's clueless. But because stylistically and in terms of his profile, he is not the same as Ben White or Takahiro Tomiyasu. He doesn't really have that ability or the instinct to tuck inside in the way that White does or that Tomiyasu can. And I don't think he's as powerful a runner when he goes on the outside of the winger. So I think that, you know, Mikel Arteta was really looking, um, you know, for for some continuity. And I think he was tempted uh, to, you know, to give William Saliba a break. I'm sure he was, in fact. But given that Tomiyasu was still absent as well, 
I think he felt that he had no choice but to put Saliba back into the side. And we'll come on to Saliba's performance in a little bit. Um, but it was as close to the strong team as it, the strongest team as it could have been, given the circumstances. I'd argue Zinchenko over Tierney, um, and obviously uh, Jesus uh, would be in there ahead of Eddie. But you know they gave a good account of themselves, the guys, and even during the first half, where obviously we found ourselves behind. West Ham got a penalty kick. We will come on to the incident in a sec, but. West Ham get the penalty kick. They score the penalty kick. The goal comes completely against the run of play. I can't remember Aaron Ramsdale making a save in the first half. I really can't. Um, you know, West Ham created absolutely nothing of note. Arsenal limited them completely, but didn't create an awful lot of clear-cut chances ourselves. However, I thought the build-up play was very, very good. I thought we squeezed them up the pitch. I thought we tried to suffocate them. I think we were moving the ball quickly and concisely and sharply. And I kept saying to the people around me inside Emirates Stadium that if we continue like this for the duration of this game, we will win it because there's no way that anybody can sustain that sort of defensive work rate, that sort of defensive shape without putting a foot wrong at any point. Now, the question is, can Arsenal be clinical enough when that moment inevitably comes along to take it and punish West Ham? And so at halftime, whilst a lot of people were panicking and, and were worried and were concerned, I wasn't. I've got to be honest. I'd said to, to sort of my friends that I was watching it with, I'm OK. You know, we're losing the game at halftime, but we don't deserve to be losing the game. You know, we've been by far the better side. We've been the only side trying to play any football. We've been the only side dictating the tempo. We got caught on a break. And unfortunately, uh, the events that sort of unfolded as that counterattack sort of came into light, were, um, you know, not what we'd have liked. And, and we ended up conceding a penalty kick. But I felt confident that in the second half, Arsenal could go out there and turn it around. And my God, did they blow West Ham away in that second period. We'll talk about the penalty decision um, because I think there was a catalogue of errors, actually, that led to that moment. I think William Saliba was culpable, obviously, being the one that made the challenge, made the lunge. It was more of a lunge than a challenge, if we're being honest. But I think what happened was Arsenal, as a sort of defensive unit, kind of got dragged out into the wrong area of the pitch. Now, the ball gets played forward. And, and if my mind serves me correctly, uh, William Saliba is coming over from the right-hand side to cover on the left. And I think what happens with him is he then gets caught in two minds. His decision-making process isn't quick enough in that moment. Does he confront the attacker? Does he drop off? I think he gets caught in two minds, and I think he does neither in the end. And then once he realises that the player has gotten inside of him, he panics, and he presses the panic button, and he lunges across. Now, the contact that he makes with the West Ham forward is minimal. It absolutely is minimal. But if it was the other way, I'd want that given for us, because I think it, there is enough there to knock a player running at pace off of his stride. Now, at the time, inside the stadium, I hadn't seen any replays because, you know, you don't get them. Uh, but when I saw the initial incident, when I saw the incident unfold initially, I was convinced that there was zero contact between Saliba and the defender. I've since seen that there was, and fair play, fair enough. Uh, Michael Oliver pointed to the spot without any real hesitation, and then the VAR checked it who also agreed with his decision and backed him up and supported him. And side Ben Rama steps up and scores the penalty. And then Arsenal are 1-0 down. And you are a little bit worried. You're, 
more frustrated than worried. I think that's the right way of putting it because you're looking at it and you're going, this this lot have done nothing. They've played zero football. They've barely ventured over the halfway line. Um, you know, it's been all Arsenal. It's been all one-way traffic. Yet here we are and we find ourselves one goal behind. And it's very easy to get into that mindset of, of feeling sorry for yourself. And I think we do that as fans, but that's why we're not professionals because the professionals didn't. They got on with it. They refocused. They got back to, to playing some really good stuff. Again, real quick, sharp passing, being really, really dominant um, and took the game to West Ham United for what remained of that first half. And then we had a penalty appeal, um, you know, against, uh, I think it was Cresswell. The penalty was initially awarded by Michael Oliver. And I've got to say, I've got to hold my hands up here because inside the stadium, and I don't know if this was actually meant to happen, but inside the ground, they showed a very, very quick replay of the incident. And it looked to me as if it had struck Cresswell's arm. It really, really did. I looked at it and I went, mm, that's, I mean, that's got to be a penalty. His arm was out. Um, you know, it, was, it wasn't in a natural position, as the referees like to say. And I was perplexed as to why that decision hadn't been given. But having seen it at halftime, uh, having found Apache replay, shall we say, on Twitter, um, I then, you know, was was proven incorrect because the ball does hit off of his head. And and as I say, you know, I hold my hands up because at the time I was livid. I was furious. You're inside the stadium. Emotions uh, are running high and you're sitting there and you're going, oh, my God, we've been absolutely robbed here. And you get into that zone. You get into that mood of starting to feel like everything is against you and you're being um, harshly treated and there's a massive injustice. And sometimes that can can spark something. It can spark an emotion. And I thought that really had an impact on the atmosphere. I used to say many, many years ago during the, the Arsene Wenger days that sometimes we needed a referee to be a little bit anti-us. We needed a referee to be poor, to be honest for the Emirates Stadium to really kick off into life. And, and that seemed to be the catalyst. Anytime we had a decent atmosphere at the at the place, it was off the back of a referee riling up the crowd. And as I say, you don't want big decisions to go against you. Obviously, ones that put you at a disadvantage, of course not. But what you do want sometimes is that trigger point, the trigger point that gets the crowd going, that gets everybody up off their seat and just brings out that extra little bit of emotion. Um, we don't seem to need that as much nowadays because we've got so many exciting players. We've got a, a manager who really kind of, as he would say, transmits that energy uh, across onto the pitch. And then the, um, you know, the, the fans seem to really respond to that. Uh, you look at the way Martinelli takes people on, the way Saka plays, the way Odegaard plays. That's enough to get you off your seat by itself. You know, you don't really need... Um, you don't really need all the, the crap around it. But for me, um, you know, we we really sort of gave a good account of ourselves in that first half, despite not creating an awful lot of clear-cut chances. And why was that? Why was it that Arsenal couldn't create those clear-cut chances? For me, you have to give credit to West Ham United. I know a lot of people, you know, don't like to do that. A lot of people like to look at maybe what went wrong from an Arsenal perspective. But we've talked a lot about the tactics that Mikel Arteta employs. We've discussed the system he plays so, so much over the last 12 months. We talked about the need for the two number eights, essentially to get into half spaces and create overloads in those areas, to join up with the wide players, for the fullbacks to tuck in, 
and the fact that we squeeze people really high up the pitch. And what we try to do is we try to expose the space in between the defensive and midfield lines of our opponents. What West Ham did impeccably well yesterday in that first period was not allow any of those spaces, was not allow us to work in those spaces, was close us down really, really quickly when we did, on the odd occasion, manage to work the ball into those areas. David Moyes, for all you, you want to say about him, is a very experienced coach. He's a wily old fox. He's been around the block. He's a very good defensive organiser, in my opinion. He's got so, so much um, sort of in his locker as a, as a football manager when it comes to solid defensive performances and solid defensive shapes. He also knows Mikel Arteta very, very well. He will have studied Arsenal very, very closely. And this is what happens. The, the, the better you become, the more people fear you. And the more people fear you, the more they will create specific game plans to handle what it is that you bring to the table and to try and nullify the specific threat that you bring. So David Moyes will have recognised that those half spaces is where Arsenal do all the damage. And there were periods in the first half, although I said that we played well and, and moved the ball quite well, um, where that pass into that next line was not off and on. And so we'd have to go back across and, and we'd have to go sideways a little bit and we'd have to just add a little bit more zip and tempo to our game in order to try and carve those spaces out. People look at West Ham United and they look at their league position and they say, well, this team are crap. Arsenal should be beating them. Arsenal should be blowing them away. Football doesn't always work like that. OK, this is a West Ham United side who went to the latter stages of the Europa League last season, who some people over the last couple of years have talked about as breaking into the top six, top four, etc. They are a well-organised side, especially defensively. They're a very big, powerful and physical side. They're a very, very tough cookie to crack when they play that way. And so, you know, we, we've got to get out of this mindset of, well, we're top of the league. We should go out every week, blow everybody away. We're never going to have any difficult periods. We're never going to struggle at any point. We were very unlucky to go a goal down. Um, very, very unlucky. And, you know, for the, the remainder of that game, we played all of the football but at times it was just really difficult to break in between those lines. But one of the reasons at halftime I said I felt quite confident and quite optimistic that Arsenal could turn it around was that because you simply cannot live with Arsenal's intensity. You simply cannot live with Arsenal if they're in that mood for an entire 90 minutes. At some point you're going to get chances. At some point that resistance is going to wane. At some point you'll be able to get in. The key is... Can you be clinical enough when you do to take the opportunities? Because you won't get as many as you might get against others. And then the second half starts. And, you know, the, the atmosphere, again, is, is really, really positive and really, really good. And then we get the equaliser. Maybe a little bit fortunate with the way the equaliser came about because Odegaard definitely has a shot there for me. Uh, it falls into the path of Bakayo Saka. He takes a touch realizes and recognizes and this is where he's matured realizes and recognizes that he's got time that he's got the opportunity to to take his time and pick out his spot he gives fabianski the eyes sends him the wrong way and slots it into the bottom corner and from then on we had liftoff from that moment the atmosphere that was already quite positive and, and never really turned toxic despite arsenal going behind went up a level it went up a notch it went to a different level and the energy inside the place went absolutely crazy. And from then on, there was only ever going to be one winner. And that was clear. The, the outcome was obvious uh, at that point. And then Martinelli, 
After a lovely bit of build-up play, again, Xhaka coming into that half space in an advanced area, plays it into Martinelli, takes on his man on the outside. Listen, you don't shoot, you don't score. You know, when I looked at it, I thought there's no way you beat the goalkeeper at his near post there. But Martinelli gets a fair amount of power on it, picks out his spot um, and beats Lucas Fabianski, who should really do better if we're being completely honest. But as I said at the top top of that point, you don't score, uh, you don't shoot, you don't score. And Arsenal, you know, have that now. They have players that want to take the responsibility. They have players that will take people on, that will get into those areas and then try and make things happen. There isn't this you know, passing the buck anymore that we used to see before. When Arsenal couldn't break teams down in the past, it was, you, you received the ball in a wide area. You know what, though? I don't really fancy taking this player on. I don't really have the, the you know, the belief in myself to to do it. Um, and so what I'll do is I'll just turn inside and I'll just roll it square to a colleague or a teammate. You don't get that anymore. In Saka and Martinelli, you've got two wide players that will happily take responsibility and that are so difficult to live with. I thought in the first half, actually, both of them were pretty quiet um, and, and relatively ineffective. Again, that's a credit to West Ham, but you don't keep them quiet for 90 minutes. And both of them popped up and delivered the goods. And that's what we really need right now. Look, a lot of the focus, and we're going to come on to talk about him individually in a bit, was on Eddie. You know, Eddie and Ketia, the man replacing Gabby Jesus. Can he do it? Can he fill the boots? But actually, it's, it's so key that the players around him chip in and support. And I thought Odegaard, who, will, again, will do the individual performances in a minute, was fantastic around him. Uh, Xhaka was great when he got into those advanced areas. Martinelli and Saka, not their best overall games for me, but certainly impacted the game by scoring a couple of goals and turning the fixture on its head. And you need that, right? If Eddie's going to do it, and, you know, I believe he can, then he's going to need the supporting cast around him. And what a supporting cast he has. Sensational. And then he scores the third goal himself. Eddie Enketia receives the ball. Lovely pass into him from Odegaard. But the presence of mind to let that run across his body and roll his man and create that half a yard of space from which he gets the shot off is fantastic. That's what Eddie has. You know, people were asking me in the build-up, what, what's Eddie going to bring to the team? You know, what has Eddie got? Well, first of all, he's a goal scorer. 11 goals in 11 Premier League starts uh, was the stat that was reeled off last night. So he's proven that when he does play and when he's given the opportunity from the beginning that he can deliver. And I've always said this to you guys, and I'll continue to say this. Do not judge Eddie and Ketia solely on what you've seen in the Carabao Cup and in the Europa League when we've played, you know, weakened sides. And he's been uh, supported by a mixed match of players that aren't quite at the level of Saka and Martinelli, that don't play with one another every single week. You know, you, you know, you... You have to judge him on these games. You have to judge him when he's playing with the first team. And up until now, he has delivered. Is his build-up play as good as Gabby Jesus's? No, he's not Gabby Jesus. Let's not pretend that he is. That doesn't mean he's not a good striker in his own right. Arsenal trust him. Mikel Arteta trusts him. It was, you know, I was sort of speaking with some friends yesterday. What did I want from tonight's game? What did I want from the game against West Ham? What was at the top of my priority list? Obviously, number one was the three points. But number two was an Eddie goal and number three was an Eddie performance. And the reason being, because it just takes that pressure off a little bit. You know, he must have felt under immense pressure going into this game. Yes, on the one hand, it's a great opportunity and he will relish that. But by that same token, there would have been an anxiety and a pressure felt by Eddie and Ketia because of all of the noise, because of our own fans writing him off, because of Arsenal supporters 
telling everybody that we're finished now because Eddie Nketiah isn't as good as Gabriel Jesus. Get behind your players. Support your team. You can have an opinion. Of course you can. But you can voice that opinion in a respectful way. You can try and think about solutions to the problem as opposed to just highlighting it. People that only highlight problems and don't actually think about solutions to them don't get anywhere in life, in any walk of life. You end up getting stuck and feeling sorry for yourself and moaning and complaining. Instead, instead, think about how we can make it work because that's what Mikel Arteta will have been doing. That's what Eddie Nketiah will have been doing. Do we have to slightly adapt our style with him in the team? Maybe. Is he going to take up the same positions that Jesus does? Probably not. But he certainly was dropping deep yesterday. He was certainly pressing aggressively. I told you guys that during that Dubai training camp, there would have been a lot of work done on Eddie Nketiah specifically to try and get him as close to that level as possible, to try and introduce some of the things that Gabby Jesus has done so well into Eddie Nketiah's game so that we don't feel the drop off. And you can really see that. I think you can really see that even at this early stage. Beg your pardon. Uh, let me just uh, go back through the comments just briefly uh, and uh, highlight a couple of bits and pieces uh, before we continue on. Uh, let's say a big hello to Matt Murdoch. I beg your pardon. I've decided to get the sneezes in the middle of this. Uh, he says, Harry, cheers from Singapore. I think the timing is great for us uh, from Asia. Woke up at 4 a.m. to watch the match and went to work, but it was all worth it. Eddie is proving us wrong and we love it. Well, good to see that the early morning podcasts work uh, for some people. Waking up at 4 a.m., incredible um, dedication. So uh, shout out to you, my friend. Big thanks to Medical Study Buddy for your very, very kind super chat donation. He says, sipping on my coffee and enjoying the podcast. Hope you had a lovely day, Harry. Um, yeah, man, I, it, it, it's... I'm, I'm just chuffed. You know, when Arsenal win football matches, I'm happy. Had a nice Christmas, a uh, nice sort of little break. Uh, we're back. We go to football yesterday. I actually went to two games yesterday uh, because I was working for BBC London and covering Watford against Millwall, which I went to at midday. Then I came home, spent a couple of hours sort of playing with the kids and, and their new toys. Uh, and then and then I went off to the Arsenal game. So, yeah, the missus is a bit like, yeah, you're going to spend some time with us today. I'm going to the darts, though, in a little bit at Alexandra Palace. So, uh, yeah, we'll have to write off today as well. But um, thank you for that, mate. Thank you. Really, really appreciate it. Um, today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bills so I don't dread April every year, producing a balanced budget, not just for football, and saving on travel because spending less on airfares means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money podcast on your favourite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Just quickly, 
before I continue on uh, through the show, because we've got plenty more to discuss. Um, I just want to share with you guys, we've been talking a lot about the switch from YouTube memberships over uh, to the Another Slice platform. Uh, if you haven't done so, please do check that out. You'll be able to see it on your screens now for those of you listening. If you go over to uh, anotherslice.com uh, forward slash Chronicles of Aguna, you'll find the link in the description, by the way. Uh, you'll be able to create an account using the option on the top right-hand side of the page. Once you've done that, uh, you log in via your account and you can subscribe to the Chronicles of Aguna where you'll be getting additional content. Last night at ridiculous hour uh, when I got home about 11.30, we posted uh, my player ratings, post-match player ratings. We're going to be doing this going forward on the day, on the night of the games within a couple of hours of the full-time whistle, just depending on what my traveling time is like. But those player ratings, that additional podcast is available exclusively to our members on another slice. So if you do want a bit of that and uh, you fancy uh, checking it out, you'll be supporting the podcast. You'll be supporting me. You'll also be supporting the charity, uh, the Great Ormond Street Children's Hospital Charity, which we're going to be donating to on a monthly basis. Uh, we've already done a couple of those um, based on, on people that have signed up. So thank you so much. Also, if you do sign up and you type in the discount code free trial, you will get a free trial. And you can use that as many times as you want to get access as many episodes as you want uh, between now uh, and uh, the 3rd of January. So check it out. Um, there's plenty of football coming. I'm sure uh, you'll enjoy it. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a great way of, uh, of, of paying you guys back, essentially giving you some additional content. So thank you so, so much. Um, lots of you asking me uh, about... Mikhailo Mudrik. What's going on with Mikhailo Mudrik? Listen, we're going to do a separate show later today where we'll talk about all the transfer stuff. We'll round that all up this evening um, because there has been uh, quite a few reports uh, regarding the Arsenal over the past sort of 24 hours, even during Christmas, man. I, it, it's a habit for me to scroll through Twitter. Um, yeah, it, it, it's a habit for me, like when I'm just sitting there to just pick up my phone and sort of roll through Twitter and and I was seeing reports coming out on Christmas Day and I'm sitting there thinking, man, do you guys ever take a break? Uh, but as I say, we'll get into all of that a little bit later on today. We'll do another episode this evening. Time to be confirmed. Uh, just depends what time I get back home, but I will do that and we'll round up all of those reports and get your thoughts and takes on them. OK, we've praised Eddie Nketiah. Um We've sort of praised Martin Odegaard, who I thought was was fantastic, by the way. Um, you know, I, I I mentioned it in passing there, but I've said this repeatedly and, I, and I'll say it again because I think it's relevant again. Martin Odegaard for me is someone that just leads by example, doesn't he? I mean, did he have the biggest influence in the game in terms of getting on the ball and slicing West Ham United open in the first half? Probably not. Did he do a bit more of that in the second half? Yeah, I think he did. But he wasn't at his best in that sense. I think that's fair to say. What he is, though, is someone that when he's not at his best, when he has to deal with clubs like West Ham United doing a bit of a number on him, you know, working very hard to specifically nullify him as a source, he works incredibly hard. I think in the second half, I can remember him winning the ball back at least three times on the edge of, of the, um, you know, on the edge of the West Ham penalty area. 
it just shows you how he defends from the front. It shows you how he leads by example. It shows you how he sets the tone. And to see Arsenal post 90 minutes still pressing and hassling and harrying people, that's brilliant. That is brilliant. Um, a couple of people sort of jumping quickly to, to Odegaard's defence. Delicia says Odegaard was brilliant for me, Harry. Odegaard uh, is quality, says Don Juan. You can't get the ball off him. I completely agree. I'm not saying that he was bad last night. Let me get that straight. I think he was the man of the match, wasn't he? I think he was given officially the man of the match award. I'm not saying that he wasn't brilliant. I thought he was, but in a slightly different way. And that's what I love about Martin Odegaard, because even when he can't get on the ball as much as he'd like, even when he doesn't have the space that he'd like, even when he doesn't play those defence splitting passes that he's always looking to play, he gives you so much outside of that that he's never a passenger. And I mean, what a bargain that was. 30, 35 million pounds, whatever it was. I remember saying to people during that transfer window on our transfer shows, you know, when, when Real Madrid were claiming that they wanted 70, 75, I remember saying, look, this guy wants to come to Arsenal. You know, Arsenal want him. Um, you know, he wants Arsenal. Arsenal want him. Real Madrid will be happy to let him go if we stick to our guns and we play the long game, we'll get our man. Rather than panicking and going and looking elsewhere. And there were people out there telling me, no, forget Martin Odegaard. Let's go and get Emi Buendia. No. No. We got our man for a reason. We got the one that we wanted because Mikel Arteta and the club knew what he was about. A special player whose career probably took off too soon. Who had to leave... Uh, from Real Madrid to kind of find himself again after what was a blockbuster move at 16 years old. You know, there's a lot of these kids that end up fizzling out, but Martin Odegaard had the attitude to turn it around and Arsenal was the perfect environment for him to do that. He believed that, the club believed that. And, you know, to be able to look around Europe and find people that definitely have talent, but maybe haven't exploded in the way that they were expected to, I think is a real... Um, you know, is a real key skill to have in recruitment. And and Martin Odegaard is certainly one of them. And, and I absolutely love him. And I'm delighted that he's our captain. And I'm delighted that we've got him at the club because he is on his way to becoming an Arsenal legend as far as I'm concerned. Uh, big shout out to Henry Guna, who I finally met last night. Uh, I hope you're well, mate. Thank you so, so much uh, for coming over and saying hello. Really, really appreciate it. Absolute pleasure to meet you. I hope you got home all right. And um, yeah, as I say, uh, pleasure. Pleasure to, to speak to you in the flesh. Uh, he says, uh, don't forget Benny White, White, White H. Yep, Benny White was... Oh. Is is there a more consistent Arsenal player? Like, in terms of delivering the same high level of performance every single week, bombing up and down that right-hand side, tucking in when he needs to, so incredibly calm and composed on the ball, whether that be in defensive positions or in the final third. Comes across and covers Saliba when needs be as well. He's just such a top, top player. And, you know, it's one of those where if he was of a, a different nationality, people would be going, £50 million? Stunning signing. But actually, because he's English and because you always feel like you pay that little bit of a premium when you buy an English player, that sets a level of expectation that is beyond realistic. But he's managing to, he's managing to live up to it. He's just unreal. And... You know, Mikel Arteta sort of said in the, that show that he did with Jamie Carragher not so long ago that, um, you know, he kind of always felt that he could play that role, that he could play in the right back position. If he has done that, that is unbelievable, incredible foresight uh, because I didn't see that coming. I saw Ben White coming in as a cultured centre-back 
possibly someone that could play in defensive midfield, as he has done previously in his career, if needs be. But what Mikel Arteta has done with him is genius. And he continues to, to you know, to raise the level higher and higher and higher. Uh, who else deserves a shout out? I thought Gabriel was fantastic. I thought Tierney was was decent. Um, not his best game for me. Got forward regularly, especially in the first half and did it to good effect. But I still think he looks just a touch uncomfortable playing that role that he's been asked to play now, which involves him tucking in a lot as well as going on the outside. Uh, Saliba looked a little bit off it for me. Uh, i got to say, you know, he was still good and he was still uh, at a very, very high level. Obviously gives away the penalty, which is the kind of one black mark on his on his sort of um, performance card from last night. But outside of that, um, you know, he's he's relatively comfortable, relatively composed, but he just looked a little bit... He just looked like he, he needed a break. He just looked like he'd been rushed back, which is exactly what happened. Uh, so I'm not worried about it because we've seen enough from William Saliba over the course of the season so far to know that he's a top player and to know that once he gets back into his rhythm, uh, he'll be brilliant again. But he just looked a little bit under it yesterday. And as I said earlier, I think had Tomiyasu been available, Mikel Arteta may have been tempted to slot him in at right back and move Ben White across alongside Gabriel. Uh, but given Tommy Asu was unavailable, the alternative would have been to bring Cedric in to facilitate White's moving. And I don't think that Mikel Arteta wanted to do that. Uh, Partey and Xhaka were fantastic. Odegaard was really, really good as well. Uh, Partey and Xhaka just solid, consistently solid in the middle of the park and really, really important part of this team. Uh, Saka Martinelli, I've already sort of explained, I thought were not at their brilliant best, but still impactful. And Ketia, I thought, gave a cracking account of himself. We've spoken about him already. But I guess the final thing I wanted to touch on before uh, we move on uh, to some of your questions and thoughts uh, from the live chat is, um, is uh, Arsene Wenger. Arsene Wenger finally returned uh, to the Emirates Stadium after a long, long time away. And look, I, I watched the Arsene Wenger Invincible documentary. Where is it? I've got the leaflet from the premiere somewhere here. I can't find it now. God knows. Anyway, um, you know, I watched that documentary and look, I was sad when Arsene Wenger left because it was the end of an era. It was Arsenal's, in my opinion, greatest ever manager, um, you know, signing off in not the way he would have liked, really. Um, you know, things went south and I think Arsene felt too attached and felt like he couldn't let go and that he couldn't leave the club in the state it was and that the only time it would be right for him to move on was would be when he'd restored us back to a certain level and and unfortunately that never happened and and probably was never going to happen because you know things had moved on things had passed us by to be fair to Arsene Wenger that it wasn't just him you know there were people at the club that weren't fit for purpose behind the scenes when you look at the structure we have now in comparison you can see that you can feel that um but yeah, um, you know, to see him back was was nice. And, uh, you know, I didn't know he was going to be back. I don't think anybody really knew. And I think just sort of prior to kick off, The Athletic dropped uh, an article saying that he'd be at Emirates Stadium. And, you know, for me, it was so nice to have him back because it just makes you feel like the situation is not as... What's the word? I can't even find the right words to this to, to describe this. You felt like Arsene Wenger was hurt by what happened at the end of his Arsenal tenure. And, and understandably so. I remember watching the Invincible documentary with my wife. And 
she doesn't know anything about football. She doesn't watch football. You know, she'll sit and watch the old game of me just because she's sitting on the sofa next to me, but she's rarely paying attention. But she watched the Invincible documentary and uh, and she said, after all that guy did for you guys, can't believe you treated him like that. You know, I can't believe you, um, you know, you, you as a fan base showed him so much disrespect and became so hostile and toxic towards him. And I remember watching it and, and I was very lucky to be at the premiere and I got to meet Arsene uh, at the event and Edu was there and Arteta was there and they were trying to convince him of the fact that, you know, he has a place at this football club, not necessarily in a role. You know, I wouldn't give Arsene Wenger a job. I wouldn't put Arsene Wenger uh, in charge of recruitment or anything like that. You know, he's got a pretty cushy number at FIFA at the moment, and I'm sure he's happy with that. But they were trying to make the point to Arsene that you are welcome here. And Mikel Arteta has done that through the press as well on a number of occasions. You are an Arsenal legend and you deserve to have the red carpet rolled out every time you decide to come to Emirates Stadium. Essentially, it's the stadium that Arsene built. So to see Arsene, Arsene back looking well, looking relaxed, looking chilled, um, you know, and, you know, enjoying watching the team and to see the reception he got, chance of one Arsene Wenger, uh, you know, ringing around the stadium was beautiful for me. It was beautiful. Um, you know, Khalid says he's not just an Arsenal legend, he is Arsenal to a point. You know, for a lot of us, he is. You know, I started going to watch Arsenal in 1996. That was my first game. Um, and it was just after Wenger had taken over. Um, you know, or around that time. I can't remember if it was just before the first game I went to, or if it was just after, but around that time. So for me, growing up as an Arsenal fan, Arsene Wenger was all I knew. And he gave us some incredible moments and he gave us some incredible highlights. And to see that all go sour was really, really hard to take. And then to hear him feel like he can't come back and, and say that he feels like he can't come back, that he needs that distance, that he needs that time. It really saddened me. But to have him back and to have him there and, and to see the team in such a good place at the moment as well and Arsene Wenger's return all coinciding with that was was truly beautiful. So uh, welcome back, Arsene. And I hope that this is the first of many games that he will attend going forward. I have to say, mind you, when he uh, or when we went a goal down, I kind of thought maybe Arsene's jinxed us. It's a typical Arsene type game. Lots of the ball, lots of possession, but uh, nothing really coming of it and then getting done with a sucker punch. But thankfully, uh, we turned it around. And look, some of those players out there, some of those players, you know, have been coached by Arsene at some point. Some of those players who have come through have been involved in Arsene's setups. And you know, although Mikel Arteta has taken this on and he's done brilliantly and he's turned the ship around and he, he deserves immense credit, you know, some of this is is a leftover, a hangover from Arsene Wenger's legacy as well. Some of the positive stuff too, not just the negative. So, yeah, credit to Arsene. And, um, you know, I love him. I love everything he's done for the club. And honestly, my heart felt warm and fuzzy seeing him back at the stadium and seeing the replay of him celebrating the goal. I think it was the Martinelli goal. Um on the big screen that probably drew the biggest cheer of the night so uh yeah great to have him back great to have him back okay let's take some of your thoughts and let's take some of your questions for the last sort of five ten minutes of the show uh while you're getting them in the chat box if i could just remind you please do leave a like on the video there's around about 400 of you with me right now live on the chronicles of aguna youtube channel but we've only got 
94, 95 now likes on the board. Come on, let's get that up to a couple of hundred at least. It should be easy. It should be light work given how many of you are with us. Um, don't forget as well, uh, if you do want to check out the Chronicles of Aguna premium content, uh, you'll get player rating shows uh, post-match uh, only on another slice. If you are a YouTube member, uh, feel free to switch over uh, because this content is exclusive uh, to another slice. We are making that transition and I feel like the only way we're ever going to make it is if I cut the content here and get people to move over there. Otherwise, it's just not going to happen. Uh, but we really need it to happen uh, for the good of the podcast. Uh, so, yeah, um, if you haven't done so already, check out anotherslice.com slash Chronicles of Aguna. Uh, using the option on the top right hand side of the page, you can create your account. Once you've done that, you can then log in. And uh, once you've logged in, you can subscribe to the Chronicles of Aguna podcast. And then you can download the Another Slice app, log into the app, and you'll get access to all of that content at your fingertips. Um, if you use the discount code as well, when it prompts you to put one in a free trial, uh, you'll get an episode for free, uh, which you uh, can use. You can use that code as many times as you want uh, up until the 3rd of January. Uh, and then I'll give you guys another code because I said that I'll keep it uh, as free as uh, yeah, I'll keep it free for the next a little while. But just given the way the platform works, I have to do it in a very specific way. A little bit annoying, but yeah, you know. I should have told them what I wanted to do before. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I want to give you guys that code. It's free trial. Just use that code and you'll get access to those episodes uh, as many times as you want between now and the 3rd of January. And then we'll extend that. But if we can make that transition over. It would be amazing. OK, uh, let's see uh, what we've got in the chat. Let's take this one from Afsar, who says, uh, Harry, how long can we cope without Jesus. Um, it's hard to say, isn't it? Look, I, at, at some point you're going to miss him because he's that good a player. You know, there's no question about that. That you know, you you will you you miss top quality players, and Gabriel Jesus is certainly that. Um, how long can we cope without him? I wouldn't really like to put a time frame on it, but let's let's just say that you know we don't want to have to cope without him for any period of time. We want him back as soon as possible. Eddie and Ketia did a good job yesterday. Um, but yeah, you know, you, if, if we want to really maintain our level and push on, then you feel like we need uh, as our best team possible. And you feel like we're even going to need depth and, and Eddie and Nketiah, are, uh, Eddie and Nketiah, it's the same guy, Eddie and Jesus, I should say, um, give us that little bit of depth. And I think a lot of people over this period of time, if they keep seeing Eddie perform, will, will grow trust in him and believe that he can be an asset and, and offer something. And, and that's what I want to see. Um, but how long can we cope without him? You don't know. It, it's a really difficult question to answer. But, um, you know, hopefully it's not that long. And that's not a slight on Eddie and Ketia. It's just that Gabriel Jesus is a wonderful, wonderful player. And you want him back as soon as possible. Uh, Paul James says, uh, was last night's performance good or adequate? Well, it was adequate enough to win the game. I thought in the second half, it was very good. In the first half, it was okay. It was adequate in the first half, as far as I was concerned. Um, but you're not going to perform at 100% every single week, Paul. That is the thing. And, um, you know, the main thing is that if you want to push on and you want to challenge for titles and you want to be right up there and you want to hang in as long as possible, you, you need to be able to win football matches, even when your performances are just adequate, as you say. And I thought that yesterday, the first half was 
good enough to to indicate to me that we could win the game, but not anywhere near our best. Even the second half, I don't think it was our best performance, but it was enough to win the game. And that's all you've got to do from week to week, right? Um, Matt says, what do you think of Mudrick basically publicly asking for a transfer to Arsenal uh, with his social media activity and interviews, etc. Uh, as an American, we see athletes do this all the time. It's no big deal. I think it gives you encouragement as a supporter that your club are pursuing a player that genuinely wants to be there. I mean, if you think back to, to the summer that's just passed, right? You've had Rafinha, that Arsenal were supposedly courting. You, you heard all about that. You had fans clamouring to get him in. Um, but at no point did we get any indication from Rafinha that he was going to come. And then when you hear that he's decided to go elsewhere and that, you know, Arsenal are not going to pay what Leeds are asking, et cetera, et cetera, you start to think, oh, my God, um, you know, uh, here we go. You know, oh, my God, um, we've we've kind of been duped here. So when you then have a player who's so public and forthright about the fact that he wants to join the club, uh, you 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 gravitate towards them and and you feel more confident about the possibility of the deal getting done. So, yeah, I mean, the, the fee is the issue here. Uh, it's always been the issue. And as I say, we'll talk about that on the next episode. We'll do a, a big bit on transfers and where we're at with regards to Mudrick and, and some of the others as well. But yeah, uh, let's see. Let's see. Uh, Raphael with a really, really good question. Um, do I have access to your premium content if I'm already a paid subscriber on your YouTube program? Thanks. Um, this is the thing, Raphael. I have to switch it to another slice because otherwise nobody will switch over. And I need people to switch over to that platform for a number of reasons, which I sort of went into uh, when we announced it. A, because the YouTube membership means that only, I think, 60% of the membership contribution goes to the channel. Uh, the rest of it gets eaten up by YouTube. And because the type of content that we want to make, we want to be able to make it straight after games, which means that it's not necessarily going to be YouTube content because of the fact that when you're at a game, your signal's not great. I don't take a laptop with me to a match, et cetera, et cetera. So the type of content that we want to make and, and to take it up to the next level, we need to make that switch over to another slice. Um, if people are adamant that they want to stay as YouTube members as opposed to members on, on the Another Slice platform, then please do send me a DM and I will find uh, a way of, because there is a way, I think, of giving you access sort of through another way. Um, but for me, the 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 key and the, the whole point of moving over is to, to better the podcast because we get basically 95% of it um, when it's on another slice. We can then reinvest that money back in. I, I don't take money out of Chronicles of Aguna, uh, not for YouTube revenue, not anything. We spend it. Uh, on getting guests. We spend it on um, having somebody to to put out the podcast as soon as I finish them. Uh, and we want to spend some on, on social media and, and various other bits as well. So um, that's, that's the idea. Um, but yeah, if, if it's a problem moving over, um, then please bear with me, stay with me, uh, drop me a DM, drop me an email if you prefer, chroniclesafc at gmail.com. And, uh, and we can, um, we can work, work out how we're going to do that. But I have to make that switch over um, for, for a number of reasons. And the only way I'm ever going to be able to do it is if I put the content only there, because while it's on both, people won't switch over. And, and I understand why, because it's inconvenient. It's a pain in the ass. And I wouldn't ask you to do it 
if it wasn't important to the show. But yeah, there we are. Um, but yeah, drop me an email if you've got any questions or, or want to chat about it further, mate. No problem at all. Uh, let's see what else we have got. I'm going to take, I think, one more. Um, you says, apart from Eddie, who do we have as a backup striker in the squad at the moment? Well, nobody naturally. You know, what I would say is that our striker role is a very specific one. I think that Gabriel Martinelli could play there if push comes to shove, but I don't really want to lose him from the left. Maybe when Emil Smith-Rowe comes back, maybe when he is uh, fit and firing again, you know, you, you'd feel a little bit more comfortable about moving Martinelli off of that left-hand side into a central role. Uh, but we don't have a natural replacement. It's my understanding that Arsenal are looking to bring in uh, somebody who can play across the front line in a number of positions uh, during the January transfer window. And that would, of course, bolster our options. But, you know, we've got two, in Arteta's eyes, two very good centre forwards. So I don't think he's going to be in a rush to go out and, and spend uh, a big amount of money, especially if money's limited on on another one uh, to cater for an injury that keeps Jesus out for a couple of months. But that's just my opinion. Right, I'm going to love you and leave you. Thank you all so, so much for joining me. Don't forget to leave a like on the video. Uh, we're still not at the 200 mark. We're quite a way away from that. So get liking. What are you waiting for? Subscribe to the channel if you are new. Subscribe to Another Slice if you'd like to support the podcast and continue uh, to help me grow it and take it to another level. We'll be able to get regular guests, um, more expensive guests, if, uh, if if we continue uh, with all of that. And remember, when you do sign up, there is a free trial code. The discount code is literally free trial, all one word, and you'll get access uh, to uh, the episode. And you can use that as many times as you want between now and the 3rd of January. And then we'll be picking that up again with something else um, so that you can uh, keep accessing the content as we uh, as we try to make that transition from YouTube over to another platform. I promise you, you will see the benefits from it. It's just getting everybody to do it. But anyway, nice one, guys. I'll catch you all later. Take care of yourselves. Have a great day. Goodbye. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.